Mine's exactly the same, only my hell day is day two. Mm-hmm. So day uh. one's like, oh, hey, like just like a little tap dancing. <laughs> and then day, day two is like, unleash the fury. <laughs> Nina. And I'm Liz. We don't have all the answers, but we do have a bottle of wine and some thoughts. If you're looking for honest musings on life, happiness, health, and wellness, you've come to the right place. We'll even throw in a couple off-the-wall jokes, some personal stories, and of course, some shenanigans. So grab a glass of wine and join the conversation. Hey, Wine and Shiners. Today on the podcast, we are talking to one of my favorite period gurus, and that is Nicole Jardim. I have been following her for quite a while. And as you all know, I love talking about hormones. I love talking about gut health. And we definitely got into both of those conversations. And then some. (laughs) And then some. This episode is a little TMI. Yeah, if you're easily offended by bowel movements or libido or periods or porn, the porn industry, um, (laughs) you're not going to want to listen to this episode. You're not going to want to. But But you should because it's got really great information. So you should get over it. And it's all (laughs) women empowerment focused. Yeah. Because the more that we know about our bodies, the more control we have over them. Yep. And a big a big conversation was about like birth control, for example, and how women are being prescribed birth control without really knowing a lot of the side effects and things that go on. And I feel like the conversations we had today need to be sent out to the masses. So please, if you know anybody that needs to hear this conversation, um, share this episode with somebody that would that would find value out of it. Because I, I think that there's a big epidemic in women not knowing enough about their bodies and not wanting to talk about and not, it. Yep. And not wanting to talk about things that are going on. And not even with like doctors. Right. Like exactly. when I go to the gynecologist, do I ask any questions? Nope. Right. Just like and check a lot all of my times, boxes and, and go. And a lot of times when you go to a gynecologist or a doctor, they don't really get into the nitty gritty of what's individually going on, mm-hmm. you know, inside of your body and how your system works. So we really hope that you guys enjoy this conversation with Nicole and let's just hop right into it. Hey, Nicole, thanks so much for joining us today on the Wine and Shine podcast. I have been following you from afar for a very long time because everybody here on the Wine and Shine podcast knows I love hormones. You do. And we've actually talked on the phone before about joining. I was about to join your course. It's just the timing wasn't quite right. So I'm so happy to talk to you. I have so many questions and yeah, I can't wait. Yay. I can't wait either. Thank you so much for having me, both of you. Yeah. So tell us about how you fell into the work of hormones. Like you're a little, I mean, obviously we've all had them for our whole life, Um, but how do you, how did you transition into that as being your job? I love this question so much. And I try to answer it different every time because (laughs) I feel like I'm tired of telling my own story (laughs) and I want people to get something out of it. And really for me, it started unbeknownst to me actually, as it usually does. When I was younger, I had a raging hormonal imbalance and I had no clue that that was actually what was going on right below the surface. In fact, I I had these really horrible, painful periods that uh, kept me in bed like for one or two days out of the month. And I remember having so much anxiety around it because they were super heavy and then I would have to go to school and I would want to wear like shorts under, you know, under my uniform Mm -hmm. because I was so scared of leaks. Mm -hmm. I feel like when you're in high school and you have a period leak, it's, you may as well leave the planet. Oh yeah. yeah. Seriously. It was horrifying. And so I had all of these symptoms and I really didn't understand them. My mom had also had those symptoms. And I find a lot of women say that to me Mm -hmm. that their moms had it. So they were just like, oh, it's totally normal. And their friends also had issues. So of course, again, it's completely normalized, but I like to say that even if it's statistically normal. It doesn't mean it's biologically normal. And for me, that turned into periods that then would come like every three or four months. That's what started to happen. Mm-hmm. And I got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm, I'm dying. Like I really need to get this period because I, I'm going crazy. Mm-hmm. And so I went to the OBGYN and she put me on the birth control pill. My story. She immediately, <laughs> of course, right? Like she yeah. immediately just wrote a prescription for the pill. And I was psyched because 
I finally had what I felt was my period panacea (laughs) and that it was going to take, you know, it was basically going to take away all my pain and problems, (laughs) essentially. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we're told. So that's, you know, that was really, I think, the catalyst for me getting into this work in that I then went on this sort of odyssey on the pill for a good five years where about two or three years I was okay. But then like the remaining years that I was on it, I had debilitating health problems. Like Mm -hmm. I was constantly sick with colds. I had chronic UTIs and yeast infections. I had no sex drive. My hair was falling out. I had horrible gut health issues. Like I could go on and on, but you get my point. And for me, that was a turning point. I I just couldn't, I couldn't live like that anymore. And I had seen so many doctors, nobody could pinpoint what could be going on. It all felt so seemingly unrelated. And finally I saw an acupuncturist and he was the first person to point out to me that this could, that the pill could be what's Mm -hmm. causing a lot of these issues and explained how it was all connected. It was the first time someone had actually explained to me the how and the why versus just the what is happening. Mm -hmm. And that was remarkable. And it was a huge eye-opener. And then I sort of went on a crazy mission and decided mm-hmm. that this was what I, the work that I really wanted to do. And, and that's, you know, eventually I ended up moving to New York and I went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And Holla. then I studied with Dr. Sarah Gottfried and Dr. Jessica Drummond, who's a mentor of mine. Um, and I did further training in women's hormonal health in addition to all of that, because I really felt like this was my calling. And here I am. Yeah. I feel like so many women have similar stories. I mean, it sounds so much, uh, so much like mine in that I was like mm-hmm. going to the doctors and I, I was tired of just being like, well, you could try this pill or you could try the birth control pill and we'll see if that happens. And then I think I was talking to a nutritional therapist, nutritional therapy practitioner. I think that's what they're called, NTP. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, well, there's all these things, you know, going on in your body that might be causing these symptoms. Why don't we try and address these first? And I was like, what? Light bulb. <laughs> and yeah, and that's the same reason why I just dove into all of this holistic wellness stuff. It's amazing. Isn't it incredible? I mean, it's it's so incredibly empowering, I think, mm-hmm. for us to feel like we actually have control over our health and our hormones. Whereas we've been fed the message that we have no control, which I think is hugely disempowering. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the signs and symptoms that you may be experiencing some hormone imbalance and things like that? Because a lot of times, like you said, I think girls think that it's normal and it's not. So what are some of those key signs? Yeah, I love this too, because I think that it's important for us to differentiate between period-related symptoms and then non-period-related symptoms. Mm-hmm. And, and usually I start with the period because you know the, your period has been designated as a fifth vital sign, kind of like your pulse, <laughs> telling you whether you're thriving or not. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool. And it's, you know again, a sign of the times. And so for period problems... If you have a period that is, first of all, missing, if you don't have a period that is definitely indicative of a hormonal imbalance, if you have a period that's too heavy, uh, longer than seven days or shorter than two days in some cases, or maybe you just spot at your period, those are all signs that there's something going on below the surface. I also think of things like period cramps and really intense bloating Um, or, you know, very intense period pain, even like cramps can, you know, sort of vary from just like a couple hours of mild pain to days and days of pretty severe pain. So those are all signs as well. And then the other things to think about too are PMS symptoms. So the emotional component, what, you know, what's happening to you throughout the month? Do you feel like Uh, you completely lose it and you're about to get a divorce (laughs) leading up to your period because a lot of women do. And if that's the case, then you really have to be looking a little bit deeper as well. So I I think like those kinds of of symptoms, we sort of believe or have been led to believe that they're all kind of a normal part of being a woman, but they're really not. So in an ideal world, none of those things would, because I'm like, I'm checking boxes right now. (laughs) I'm like, um, what if you have all of them? No. Um, I guess I'm wondering like how, when you look at 
this in young women and like when, especially when we're first starting to get periods and we're younger and our hormones are raging, how can you identify what a hormone imbalance looks like in a young woman? Because I feel like the time is so tumultuous and not yet settled in terms of Mm. hormones. So true. And I think that that's important to differentiate. And I probably should have said that uh, when we're in, when we're going through puberty. So any time between really the ages of 11 all the way really into like about 18 or 19, that's been my experience mm-hmm. is that you really have to take all of that with a grain of salt mm-hmm. because your body going through puberty is kind of like what happens towards the end of your menstrual life cycle uh, going into menopause. Things are a little wacky and all over the place. And so I think that when it comes to, you know, like heavy, very heavy periods or you skip a period uh, one month and you may not ovulate, uh, you know, one month in a row, one month or two months in a row or something like that. Like, and even period pain sometimes to not, again, not debilitating, keep you in bed kind of period pain. But all of those kinds of symptoms are, you know, quote unquote, normal or a regular occurrence for younger women, girls in their teens going through puberty time. So I think that it's important for us to for, for girls to be educated about their bodies. Mm-hmm. I believe that women can 100% be trusted with this knowledge and trusted with uh, making decisions for their health uh, that are informed. And so I think that when we start to get to know our body's nuances, we're then able to make a decision about what feels normal versus not for yeah. our bodies. And so I will say that, yes, like, if your period is super heavy or it's really light or you just like you skip periods every now and again, I don't think that there's anything super wrong with that. But I think like if you have period pain that is debilitating, that is disrupting your life and you know whether it's disrupting your life or not, uh, then that is something to really look look further at. And in a lot of cases, doctors will dismiss it. And I do not believe that we should be dismissing mm-hmm. pain like that. We would never dismiss that in men. No, and so I don't believe not. we should be dismissing it in younger girls because it is a so sign true. that there's potential endometriosis and endometriosis can take your fertility away. And I, I just feel that if that is something that's happening at a younger age, you absolutely need to address it as soon as possible. So Liz and I both were, so we're both on our periods right now. Yeah, we're just going to throw that. that I out, just finished. Which I'm on is day four. perfect. And I'm on day three. Liz oh. is on day two. Wait, time out. Maybe I don't know how to count the days. What do you mean? <laughs> should we talk? Should yeah. we talk about well, that? Well, yeah, let's talk about that. Because leading into, I was going to say, we both have two similar problems. And that is cramping. And then the other one is that we spot for like An a eternity. week. I, I literally oh. spot for like a week before my period mm-hmm. starts. And okay. and I've also been dealing with a bunch of things for a while, like hormone imbalance for a while that I'm still trying to figure out. But yeah, it's like, this is TMI maybe for listeners. If not, it's fine. But it's, it's like dark spotting for like a week. Yep. And then day one, it's like, you know, it's there. And the cramps are from hell for like day one. Day two, they start to simmer down. Day three, I like, can I barely know they're there. Okay. That's good to know. Mine's exactly the same, only my hell day is day two. Mm-hmm. So day uh-huh. one's like, oh, hey, like just like a little tap dancing. <laughs> and then day, day two is like, unleash the fury. <laughs> yeah, day two is today where you're like, Nina. I know every five seconds I was like, I'm cramps. Oh my gosh, we should have done this tomorrow, oh, you it's, guys. I <laughs> no, she's good. We went on a little, we tried to walk them out. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. What's still? Oh my goodness. Okay. Talk to me about this. Have you always experienced this kind of pain? For me, I don't really remember experiencing debilitating pain in high school, but then I got on birth control freshman year of college and don't really remember much. I really didn't get pain until I got super stressed and anxious and like started this whole, it was like right before I started the holistic journey when I was like, my body's attacking itself. It like Uh, all started to come about during like a really stressful time in my life. Okay. Okay. That's really good. Okay. So not really good, but good to know. (laughs) You like got it. Okay. (laughs) Yes, I've got it. Okay. There are a couple of different things. And when I talk about period pain, 
I, you know, there's, there's two types. So there's primary dysmenorrhea. Dysmenorrhea is pain, period pain, mm-hmm. and secondary dysmenorrhea. And so primary dysmenorrhea is basically just solely related to your period, meaning that there are, there's no pelvic pathology, right? There's nothing mm. going on. And it's just sort of considered a natural part of your cycle. But like I said, um, I, if it's, if it's debilitating, then it's likely, or it's potentially something else. I probably mm. shouldn't be trying to practice medicine on right. this podcast. <laughs> it's likely but, something else. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, no, I love that. Okay. So anyways, the, you know, there's one, um, one of the main causes I think of primary dysmenorrhea is basically high levels of prostaglandins. So prostaglandins are just these hormone-like substances that cause our uteruses to contract. And I've written pretty extensively about them on my blog, but Mm -hmm. essentially uh, they are, there are two types of prostaglandins. One is inflammatory and then one is anti-inflammatory. And some women tend to have more of the inflammatory prostaglandins. And a lot of the time that's because their omega-6, omega-3 ratio Mm. is imbalanced because omega-6s and omega-3s are where prostaglandins actually originate. So if we have a diet too high in omega-6s, which tend to be more of the inflammatory kind of omegas, uh, we potentially may have higher levels of those pro-inflammatory prostaglandins. Hmm. And so they trigger, like I said, the uterus to contract, but prostaglandins are all over our body, which is why sometimes you get migraines, for instance, during your period. And it's not just period pain. And then you might get like body aches as well. So there's, you know, there's reasons why we have these things happen. Anyway, so that's one thing. That's why diet is so crucial for Is that related to acne at all, the prostaglandins? Or is that a different sort of inflammatory response? It's a little bit different. And so with acne, I always think about our gut health being yeah. uh, compromised and then our liver health as well, like our liver's ability to detox uh, hormones and other toxins mm-hmm. efficiently. So it's usually a combination of those two. That's Got what it. I, that's what I've witnessed. Okay. Yes. So the other thing that I have found with, with primary dysmenorrhea is a tilted uterus. So you could have like a retroverted or a retroflexed uterus, meaning that your uterus is sort of like leaning backwards or it's mm. like doing a backflip. That's kind of what it looks like. Hmm. And that, you know, when it's bending back in that way, it can have a pretty profound effect on how, you know, how your uterus functions, meaning that it's got to work really, really hard to get, you know, to get blood out of the backflip position, as you can imagine. So for everyone who potentially, you know, has a tilted uterus, like that, that could be part of it too. I'm pretty sure I do. How do they, I was going to say, does like your gynecologist say like, congratulations, you have a tilted uterus. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Yes, actually, some of them will definitely say that, but I highly recommend seeing like a pelvic floor physical therapist, somebody who is highly trained in this area, who can really take a look and see what's going on or like an osteopathic doctor or even like a Mayan abdominal massage therapy practitioner, like they would all be helpful in addressing sort of this, the physical or the structural component of painful periods. Mm. We actually had a pelvic specialist on the podcast. What we learned from that was that the pelvic, the pelvis influences everything. Yes. Was what we learned. We also learned that we did not know a lot about our pelvic region. And I obviously (laughs) don't know how to count period days. Can we go back to the period days for a second? Yes. Do we, so I know we don't count the spotting days, correct, right? Exactly. Yes. So your, yeah, the length of your period is basically uh, calculated on the days that you're flow, like you're actually flowing. Oh, okay. Well, then I can't yes. count, right? Okay. Yeah. So okay. you're day two. I'm day two. I'm day three. I'm and on. yeah, so for everyone, like, it's just so everyone knows, like the first day of your period is considered the first day of your menstrual cycle. And then the last day of your menstrual cycle would be the day before you get your next period. Yeah. So usually... I really, I, I, the recommendation from me is that you want to have a full, like a total menstrual cycle of between 25 and 35 days. Mm. Like in the most ideal world, it would be like 27 to 32 days, mm-hmm. but we don't live in an ideal world, right. <laughs> so to speak. So I really, I always recommend like if you're falling within that range and there's not a huge amount of variability, that's really like an ideal, meaning that like one month you're 
25 days, the next month you're 35 days, and then the next month you're 26 days. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's just like, there's not like a huge amount of variability. Like you're usually within, you know, three to five days of of each period. Mm, That's good to know. I felt like I finally got on track because I'm like very consistently after the 28th day. It's like every, because oh, yeah. I keep track of my calendar. I'm crazy about it. It'd be nice if I kept track. Just draw, yeah, just number it out. It's so easy. It's kind of fun. You're like, ooh, day 28, is it going to happen? And then it does. Some people here are not on birth control and do not keep track of their periods, but I'm not going to mention who they are. Wait, I'm not, oh. what, what do you mean? Me, I don't, I just, I like kind of oh, know when it's I was coming. Like, I'm not on birth control either. That's why I keep track. I think it's fun. I like fun. sort of know when it's supposed to come. Which actually brings <laughs> me to another question, which is, um, what are your thoughts on syncing up with the moon? Because I was really stoked to, to realize it was a full moon a few days ago and that me and Liz were both on our periods. I was like, yeah, Liz, we're in connection with the universe. It's the full moon. <laughs> is this a well, thing? I think we're always in connection with the universe. regardless of the moon or not. But (laughs) yes, there are a couple of thoughts I have around this. I think the first thing is that, and it's funny because I get this question a lot now. And I will say the first thing is, please, no one ladies out there listening, don't freak out if your period is not on the new moon. It's totally okay. Because we're all (laughs) like the three of us clearly are now synced up with With the the full full moon. moon, Right. (laughs) It's very exciting. I think it's very cool because my period is definitely a different experience on the full moon, Mm -hmm. at least leading up to it. I have way more energy and I find that I can actually articulate myself. Whereas usually I can't even string a sentence together (laughs) getting my period normally. And so I will say that there's potentially like different experiences. I think it's, it's open and up for discussion depending on the person and, and their circumstances, but there isn't really there's no set rule around what, whether you should be synced or not. I Traditionally speaking, women were, most women ovulated with the full moon and then bled with the new moon. And that was partially because of the fact that light affects our menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. And what I mean is that moonlight, well, light in general, our circadian rhythm is intricately connected to our menstrual rhythm slash cycle. And so, or a sleep weight cycle, menstrual cycle, all the same, all connected. And so basically what would happen is because we didn't have a lot of light and we didn't have computers and phones and all these things in our lives, uh, you know, we kind of went to bed with the with darkness and woke up uh, when the sun came up. And so for women during the full moon, our bodies again were are are so connected to the light cycles, the light dart cycles, that we would get our our we would ovulate on the full moon and then mm. get our periods on the new moon uh, because of the, the that light dark sleep wake cycle. Interesting. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah but now it's now we're all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> right. Of light pollution and and technology and a lot of blue light. Mm. So I think that it's really important more than anything for us to be. And if you want to be sinking more with the moon, which is great, it's certainly, it's a nice thing to do. I highly recommend really working on your circadian rhythm. That's what we mm. really need to be doing. So thinking about how you can ha- dim the lights in your house at night and, and use candlelight, for instance, and not have a lot of this blue light shiny in your face all the time. Like mm. have a laptop curfew, have your phone outside in the living room and not in your bedroom you know, wear those blue blocker glasses uh, and make sure that you really limit your your blue light at night, especially past like 7 or 8 p.m. And so then in fine. the daytime, don't wear sunglasses for some of the daytime. Like make sure that you, your eyes are exposed to enough of that, that, that spectrum of light, that daylight spectrum, so that you can then, you know, like help wind down at night. And I found that doing those practices really helps to get your menstrual cycle on track and also sync your cycle with the moon. And also too, like moon bathing, that's another thing too Mm. that a lot of people do. So like getting outside at night during the moon, like the full moon uh, and just literally sitting under it. Again, our bodies are so impacted by the light we're exposed to. Interesting. I I never would have thought. I mean, I guess the whole circadian rhythm thing makes sense with everything being very cyclical. That makes a lot of sense. How much does sleep impact your cycle? Like I know we all know sleep is important and I feel like a lot of us don't get as much as we should. Or don't get quality. Don't get quality sleep. sleep. So yeah, can you just talk a little bit about how sleep impacts our periods? 
Oh, yes. So, (laughs) so much. It's unbelievable. So like I was just talking about our sleep-wake cycle and then and that circadian rhythm and how it impacts our menstrual cycle. And so what's really fascinating is that our menstrual cycles are not totally dictated by, but they are impacted by how much sleep we get and how much cortisol is coursing through our veins, plus how much melatonin we're making. Mm. And so cortisol, I want everyone to think of, you know, the sleep-wake cycle, obviously, like you're sleeping in the nighttime, awake in the daytime. Ideally, some people do opposite. And so the the idea here is that cortisol goes up in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. So cortisol is that stress hormone. It's the wake up and go hormone. And melatonin is the nighttime hormone. And so that's like, that's nighttime. And then cortisol is daytime. And so essentially, when it comes to like a dysregulation in cortisol or melatonin, we can really run into problems. Uh, And the reason for that is because all of our hormones are talking to each other all the time. So when you think of something like cortisol, for instance, it's released by your adrenal glands Mm -hmm. along with other stress hormones. And it will, you know, it'll dampen the production of your key sex hormones, especially Mm -hmm. progesterone, because they they basically both work on the same pathway. So they go down the same pathway. Cortisol though is um, a hormone that's very important to life. It's kind of life-threatening if we don't have enough of it. Whereas progesterone and your fertility, not so much needed to survive. Which is like so, my whole imbalance is like, sorry to interrupt, but it's like yeah, that no, is exactly okay. what it is. And now I'm making these connections later is that I just, it all started with so much stress, like so much stress, so much stress, yes. so much cortisol and my sex hormones suffered. And I don't even, I actually got my hormones tested a while ago and it wasn't necessarily that I like, I have way too much estrogen. It's just that I don't have enough progesterone and it makes so much sense that that's what suffered when I was pumping out too much cortisol like in my life. Yeah. No, it's totally what happens. And in in fact, what I have found is that many months later is when you tend to notice the effects of it. Like yeah. it's not so much in that time frame, but it's it's months later. Mm-hmm. And sometimes even like six months to a year later that women are like, wait, what happened? I'm like crashing kind yeah. of thing. And so that's for sure um, a sign that, yeah, like what you were going through totally impacted your sex hormones. And so coming back to cortisol and melatonin, so melatonin is a little bit different because if it's too high or too low, it can affect ovulation and subsequently your how regular your cycle is and fertility as well. So for everyone who doesn't know, melatonin is produced by the pineal gland and it's responsible for regulating our circadian rhythm, this sleep-wake cycle that I've been talking about. And it helps us fall asleep and stay asleep. But the problem is, is that we have so much artificial light that it's actually messing with the endogenous mm-hmm. production of our melatonin. And so a lot of people are taking melatonin supplements. The problem is that you don't know how much your body is actually making because hmm. your body is so fine-tuned. It knows exactly how much it yeah. needs. But So we're just taking like, you know, a, a three capsules or we're spraying four or five times underneath our tongue and we don't even know how much Mm -hmm. we need. And so that is, you know, I feel like people need to be very cautious with things like that. Melatonin is available over the counter in the US, but it isn't in many other countries. So you Mm. can't just like get it without a prescription. Whereas in the good old US of A, we can. Yeah. (laughs) I would have never thought. I thought that was just like everywhere you can get it. Oh yeah. Like people always are talking about melatonin. I've actually never taken it, but I know, I mean, I took it on a flight to China. I took, well, in my younger days. Yeah. Didn't you, weren't you super tired the next day? Yeah. And like grouchy. I I cried. (laughs) I cried at a restaurant because I didn't think I could eat anything. She was like a big old (laughs) crabby pants the next day. I was like, I want to go home. I was like, well, we just landed in China. So that's not going to happen. We just blame it on the melatonin. (laughs) And Dramamine. And the Dramamine. Yeah. Yeah. It's the worst. I agree. If you, you can definitely have a melatonin hangover. Yeah. That is a real thing for sure. And unfortunately, the large amounts of melatonin, sometimes like way above what your body would actually make anyway, can delay or stop ovulation. Mm. And so this, of course, can change the timing of your menstrual cycle. It can stop it altogether. 
can cause problems. And in fact, this is the same for, for men as well. It can affect sperm formation. Mm. So we have to be very careful with melatonin. Mm. And on the flip side though, low melatonin is actually linked to lack of ovulation, fertility, even chronic pelvic pain and endometriosis. Mm. So there's a big conversation now about melatonin's use for pelvic pain and endometriosis. So that's something to think about as well, because I know both of you have talked about period pain. Yeah. So that's why I think that it's really important for us to be, you know, again, be thinking about our sleep because it's all connected. Our hormones are all talking to each other. They do not exist in a vacuum and they're always having a conversation on an ongoing conversation together. Yeah. It's crazy. Like when one, it like mine started with stress, but then it bled into my sex hormones and then it bled into gut health. And it's, and then, you know, all of the hormones and like the information going from your gut to your brain then affects your moods. And it's just, it's crazy. Like our body is so smart. It's made to work well. And when one thing gets off, I mean, like you said, it can be a cascade of other issues that follow. Well, that For leads, sure. Yes. That leads me to wonder, like, can your hormones, it seems like your hormones can never be imbalanced. This seems, <laughs> an, this seems like an impossible thing. <laughs> Well, that's the problem, right? Is that there's so many external and even internal stimuli Mm -hmm. that are triggering um, sort of a, like a, what's the word? Like a miscommunication or a misfire Mm -hmm. almost. And so that, so for instance, like I was saying, the blue light at night, too Mm -hmm. much of that will suppress our melatonin production. Our melatonin production gets suppressed and then that potentially messes with our ovulation and a whole host of other things, but just for the purposes of this conversation, like it messes with our ovulation. So then like maybe we don't ovulate one month. And if you're not ovulating, you don't produce progesterone. You produce very little in the adrenal glands, but you need to ovulate in order to produce progesterone because Mm -hmm. it comes out of the little sac that your egg was released from. So if you don't ovulate, you lose all that progesterone production. So then you have low progesterone and then you end up with low progesterone and higher estrogen in Mm -hmm. relation to your progesterone. And then that trigger is like a whole other set of problems. Right. So Mm -hmm. you can see, and then high estrogen is actually linked to a suppression of thyroid function. Mm -hmm. If we have too high estrogen, it it can mess with our thyroid. So you can, and if you have too low progesterone, it also messes with your thyroid. So you can see this entire conversation and this whole loop that happens around and around we go because of like want of too much blue light, for instance. Mm -hmm. It makes me think of our parents' generation a little bit because as I think when you get older, you start to then really see the effects of a lot of years of imbalance. Mm -hmm. And, And then at that point, it's like, okay, now I have a thyroid problem or now I have this or now I have that. And it's, it's crazy because you think like the thyroid is the issue when really it was all of the years of these little signs and these symptoms that you kind of were ignoring and maybe suppressing. And then the big, the big symptom you can't ignore anymore comes about when really like we should have been taking care of these things earlier. So that's why I love having these conversations because I feel like it's like you said, it's so empowering to know we can start to recognize these things now. So that way we may not have the bigger issues as we get older. Or I feel like some young girls are having these issues Mm -hmm. now too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, it's huge. Yes. I mean, I'm seeing a number of young girls with very similar problems. And a lot of it is triggered, I think, by the use of hormonal birth control, at Mm -hmm. least some kind of it, whether it's the pill or the IUD or the implant at really young ages. And what we fail to recognize is that at such a young age, if you're going to disrupt that conversation between your brain, the hypothalamus and the pituitary and your ovaries at such a critical time in its development, like you can't mm-hmm. get that time back. Like yeah. you actually can't. So you stop that conversation mm-hmm. for five, 10, 15 years. Like what we have absolutely no idea what we're doing. And right. it's like this horrible experiment that we're performing on women. We're like these guinea pigs mm-hmm. and we haven't got a clue. I'm getting heated fact, right well, now. We do kind of now because we're seeing the effects of women who have been on hormonal birth control for very long periods of time. And this is the first time in history that that's happened. Yeah. So I know a couple of friends like that have been on birth control since they were 15 and they're just now like, we're very much at married baby age at this point and they're trying to get off of that. Is there anything that they, I'm sure they're listening. They're like, well, that's me hand raised. What are some things that they can do? 
So for women who are getting off of birth control and wanting to have yeah, babies, et cetera. Have maybe been on it since they were like 15 years old. Okay. Well, I think it's really important to set expectations. And again, this is not to freak people out because we're all on a spectrum and it varies. However, what I have found is that you have to give yourself about one to two months for every year that you've been on the pill to recalibrate. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some women get their period back a lot sooner and they feel great and that's fine. And, And because again, we're all genetically different. But for the women who come to me, obviously, this is who I see, <laughs> uh, they need longer. And so, or they need like, you know, one to two months for every year they've been on it. So mm-hmm. I, I feel that a year to two years is what we're really looking at in order to not only get your hormones back on track, but to rebuild because the gut has, sorry, the gut, <laughs> the pill <laughs> has a huge impact on your gut health. Mm-hmm. It actually disrupts the, the flora in your gut and also mm. in your vagina as well. Like the vaginal microbiome is definitely a thing. And this is why so many women experience horrible gut health problems as well as yeast infections mm. and chronic in urinary or vaginal infections while yeah. on the pill. And the gut health side of things, the pill has definitely been linked to inflammatory bowel diseases like uh, Crohn's. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have to be really thinking if we're susceptible to one of those conditions, say someone in our family has it, doesn't mean we're going to get it necessarily, but you right. have a genetic predisposition to it. Then you have to be really cognizant of that fact, especially when you're going on the pill. Again, we're not told this. This is like, this is what informed consent looks like. And we're usually not given it. So I really want women to think about all of those components, like gut health issues, hormonal imbalance, and vitamin or nutrient or mineral deficiencies. And, you know, because I know, like, I know you want a baby. Like, I get all of that, but I also feel so strongly that you want the healthiest baby that you could have. Right. And if you want the healthiest baby that you can have, then you have to be in the best health of your life. And in order to do that, you've got to give your body time to heal. So, like I said, I the minimum I recommend for women after coming off of the pill is six months to a year to rebuild and then consider getting pregnant. Because otherwise you're going to go into pregnancy depleted. Mm. And that can be really problematic for your pregnancy. It could potentially cause miscarriage. There could be birth defects. And you don't want that. Like You just don't want to do that to your child. So I think that it's really, really important to take that into consideration. So I I, I always say that if if you've been on the pill for a long time, like fermented foods, a probiotic, like a really great probiotic. Mm-hmm. I love Megaspore. That's a probiotic mm. that I recommend and use are really helpful for helping to sort of rebuild your microbiome. And then if you have had like chronic yeast infections or any kind of vaginal infections, like really work on addressing that as well. There are a lot of, of natural remedies for that nowadays. I've, I've seen a lot of things and I've recommended quite a few different options. And then also like in terms of nutrient deficiencies, I think that like a broad spectrum uh, multivitamin slash multimineral is really, really helpful for for when we feel so depleted after being on the pill. I also think that uh, a good B-complex is really great as well as like a magnesium supplement and um, even selenium. That's another mm. one too. I've written about this on my blog too. So, you know, people can definitely look those up, but I think those are really crucial. And again, I'm talking about supplements, but I really, you know, should be talking about food as well. Mm-hmm. Like we have to figure out what food works for us. Yes. And I hate to box this into this, like this, these, again, these diets of like paleo or vegan or vegetarian or whatever, you know, all the things, right. keto, all of it. Yeah. There's so many to choose from. And I, I want women to really just start to pay attention to how they feel when they eat. Yes. Do you feel tired? Do you feel heavy? Do you feel weighed down? Do you feel starving? <laughs> do you, what do you feel? And if you're feeling those things, then the food that you're eating is not doing the job it's supposed to do, mm-hmm. which is basically supposed to uh, fill you up and energize you. And if that's the case, then you've got to start to figure out what what else you can do. And so that might mean more protein, more fat in your diet. That usually is the case. Mm-hmm. It sometimes might yeah. mean more carbs uh, because again, we need carbs in order to to ovulate and to function. It's a very energy intensive situation. <laughs> so we need to make sure that we're, we're making up for the energy usage. And 
it just might mean that we need more minerals. We need more micronutrients. So maybe we need to bring in more mineral rich foods like uh, seaweed or sea vegetables or mm-hmm. something like that, or, or lots of like dark leafy greens, or maybe we need to be drinking more green juices or bringing in more smoothies that have, uh, you know, lots of, of different seeds and, uh, you know, different like uh, high potency foods like, um, I don't know, acai or something like that. Mm-hmm. So something where like, we're just like, we're really filling our bodies with the maximum amount of nutrients possible. That's what I found works really well for women who have recently come off the pill. Mm. And then of course, supporting our liver detoxification. So supporting our liver's ability to detox any excess uh, estrogen or any other excess hormones that could be causing like further hormonal imbalance. I think that that's really crucial too. And one of the best ways to do that is to make sure that you have the B-complex, lots of uh, cruciferous vegetables because there are many vitamins and minerals and uh, nutrients within those foods that will support your detoxification pathways. Yeah. And I think a lot of times it can get overwhelming. It's like, oh my gosh, I need this. I need that. I need this. And it's Mm -hmm. like what you said when you just, I think it's when you pay attention to your body and just think about what you're eating and whether it makes you feel good or not, it starts to make those choices easier. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, clearly this didn't work for me. Clearly this did. Am I more hungry? Let me try more protein. Maybe I need more healthy fats. And just starting small will get you there. But when it comes to the supplements, Like, I know that I've struggled with this too. I was, there was a time where I was taking a B-complex and an omega-3 and I was taking my probiotics and I was taking magnesium. And now I'm just taking, actually, I'm not taking like any supplements right now. But I wonder like, okay, well, I really have been wanting my magnesium. That's one thing. But then like, okay, B-complex, like I'm doing nutritional yeast and should I, like, do I need a B-complex? Like, how do you know if you need the supplements or if you are getting enough from food? Is it just trial and error? A little bit. And, you know, I think that there's definitely something to be said for testing, finding out like what you're deficient in. I do think that almost across the board, like a B-complex, a magnesium and a fish oil, and even a probiotic in some cases, depending on what's going on with your gut, can be really, really beneficial. Mm -hmm. And I've just found that we all tend to be very deficient in those. So Mm -hmm. in the omega-3s and then the B vitamins and the magnesium that we could all do with some of those. Magnesium is like my magic supplement. It makes me, oh my gosh, it makes me feel so much better. Like it helps my cramps. If The eye twitch, Liz. Oh, the no. eye twitch, it'll get that eye twitch under control. That's great. I think it's <laughs> magnesium. Um, but B-complex, I, I don't know why I just stopped taking that, but I did feel really good when I was taking B-complex. And then the other thing is I've been trying to eat a lot of salmon, which I, okay, back to your earlier conversation about how did you, what is it called that gives you cramps? The pl- I forget the Oh, the, the prostaglandins? Yes, yes, the prostaglandins. I was telling Liz that I did not have as bad of cramps this month as I usually do. And ah. I've had a lot of salmon. Seafood? Yeah, a lot of yeah. like healthy seafood. Hmm. Can it kick in that fast or is this, am I making this up? Because I was no, like, Ooh. it can. Ooh, totally. okay. I always tell women like, because your period can vary significantly from month to month. And so I always have them sort of do a bit of a recap, their monthly recap mm-hmm. to, to t- and tell me like what all was going on from week to week. You know, did they, the was there like a, an acutely stressful situation or did they just like go crazy on the sugar you know, last week or last month or, you know, in the last three weeks or whatever. So there's definitely something to be said for that. Mm -hmm. And I really find that your period is a barometer for what you've been doing for the last month and even the last three months. Hmm. So just so everyone knows as well, it takes about a hundred days from an egg to sort of be chosen as like one that's going to be ripened to get (laughs) to the point where it's in the final running (laughs) to be, to be the one that actually gets released. Mm -hmm. So, and the rest of them just sort of disappear eventually. So we only choose one obviously, but it's a three month process. So you got to think back to three months as well. What was going on then too? Oh, 
Interesting. I, that's why tracking yeah. your period. And when I was really insane, Liz, I would take notes in each day too. <laughs> like I could, oh it, and I'm a teacher. Well, this is my last year teaching actually, sad face. But yes, I, I think would, you told me that. I know. And in <laughs> yeah. my planner, I actually, like I would leave it out on my desk and I was like, if kids walk by, they're going to think I'm freaking crazy. I would write like mega cramps, heavy bleeding, sugar this day, headache this day, or fish this day. Like I would document everything. Say I wouldn't even know what to document. You just, well, I don't know. So yes. maybe I've oh, been- should I talk about that? I yes, think that's please. really good. Go for it. Yes. Okay. So that's the thing that I think is so, we just don't even realize like what's normal, what's not, and what we should be paying attention to. So here's the deal. I think that obviously I'm like you, you know, I, I like to document things as well. Yeah. And I like to make notes and I'm and I read things. a lot about this. So I also yes, right. Exactly. So there are apps which are that provide options for you. They'll tell, it'll tell you, it'll ask you, you know, like what your mood is, how you mm-hmm. feel physically, if you have bloating, uh, if you feel any crampy feelings, or if you feel any kind of physical pain elsewhere, or if you notice like hair loss or, you know, like you had a sleepless night or you didn't sleep as well. So there are all of these things that you could pay attention to. And like I said, there are lots of period apps out there that give you suggestions on what you can, you know, what symptoms you can choose. And so I think that that's a really good place to start Hmm. in just observing. And so for instance, here's a great, here's a great correlation that a lot of women don't realize. Uh, In that second half of your cycle, progesterone tends to be higher, like I was saying, because you need to ovulate in order to produce progesterone. Mm -hmm. And it actually, so we call it, I call it the smooth muscle mineral. I've always called it that because it basically uh, reduces cramping by slowing down like muscle contractions. Mm -hmm. And so it like, it, it calms down smooth muscle in your body. Hmm. Unfortunately, your digestive tract, your, uh, is, is, is a whole long tube of smooth muscle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it slows that down and makes you constipated or it can be, it doesn't happen to everyone, but a lot of women do have that. Mm -hmm. So one of the symptoms you might be, you might be tracking is your bowel movements. I think everyone should track that, by the way. It's 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 another one like your period, another it's a vital big sign. Clue. Totally I'm a big, big clue, one about sure. I'm a big one about tracking my gut health recently. Again, I also don't know what to look for in that I'll either. I'll talk to you okay. about it after the episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys crack me up. So yes, it's really, I think it's so, so important to then like take off on the little box. Like when you're having constipation, mm-hmm. when you're having diarrhea, when you're having bloating, or, you know, when you have a great bowel movement, again, a great bowel movement. I feel like I should just talk about Just this, go right? for yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Everybody right, needs good. to know. All right. I feel like everyone really needs to know. You guys, you need to be looking at your bowel movements every single morning in the toilet. Yes. I, my boyfriend is horrified that I do this. He's just like, nope, that's just going straight down. I don't want anything to do with that. Um, but I think we need to be, because again, it's a great clue as, as Nina was saying. So essentially if, okay, if your stool is loose and you're, or you have diarrhea, you know what that looks like and feels like it's not great. Uh, that's not a great sign. And if that's consistent, then that to me indicates that your body is just not getting enough of the nutrients that it needs because it's all passing through way too fast. Mm-hmm. So the idea here is that, and you can kind of do this with a beet test, like to eating beets. Um, I don't know how many of you have eaten beets and the next day you're like, oh my God, I'm dying. What yeah. has happened here? Oh, yes, it's like right? the episode in Portlandia. Yes. yes. <laughs> have you seen that episode in Portlandia? Yeah. It's like, it's beets. Yeah. It's beets. It's it beets. must be beets. Did you yeah. have beets? Okay, people, this is the second time we've talked about Portlandia and listeners that have not they're like, watched we don't it. Care. They're like, we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> anyway, back well, they have to, to watch it. Yeah, yeah. right. So, so anyways, yeah. So basically, uh, if you, you need about 24, 12 to 24 hours transit time. And so one way to tell is, like I said, by eating beets. So that's a good, that's a good barometer. Um, and it, I, like I was also saying, if there's diarrhea and that's consistent, like that's a sign that there's something going on with your gut health that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, if you're chronically constipated, that's another sign too. And almost across the board, this is likely just like a disturbance or an imbalance with your gut flora. And that's your microbiome. So that's the trillions of bacteria that live mm-hmm. in your intestinal tract. And, um, and they're responsible for all kinds of things. So they're responsible for breaking your food down, for it being absorbed, and then for it turning into what it turns into and then being released. And so for chronically constipated, I have found that a probiotic or probiotic-rich foods like 
uh, fermented foods, for instance, really, really help that process. Um, but with constipation, there's a problem too. If it sits too long in our colon, uh, what can happen is uh, a lot of what's in there can be reabsorbed back into your bloodstream. Mm. So that's why mm. women who have chronic constipation, a lot of the time have an estrogen dominant situation because that estrogen was supposed to be on its way out. Right. And now it's oh, like being recirculated. Yeah. So those, so when, and when we're talking about what to look for, Liz, like you're really looking for, it was so funny. I, I heard someone speak the other day and she was talking about bowel movements and she loves talking about them. <laughs> and she was like, you really want to look for that like S shape, that snake kind of <laughs> look. And that's really what you're looking for. It's, it's got to be, and it's got to be formed and not too dark, not too light. And it might have like a few little lines in it, but for the most part, it's not going to be like all bumpy, like a, you know, like you'd be constipated yeah. and it's certainly not like diarrhea. Are you familiar? Do you ever um, talk to or know Robin Euclid? Oh yeah. I literally just did a call with her and her group today. You did? <laughs> oh, so oh, yes. I like love her. I feel like you and Robin Euclid are, I, I just like want to meet both of you and just talk to you for hours <laughs> because I am just like about obsessed. poop? Yes. Like I'm obsessed with Robin gut. loves it. Yeah. I'm oh, yeah, obsessed with gut health and hormonal health like together. Um, we actually had her on the podcast too. And surprisingly, we didn't talk about poop. We didn't. What? Like, That's we, shocking. We talked about gut health, of course, but like this, maybe we were too maybe we were too nervous to talk about poop. I don't. I don't know. But this <laughs> topic did not come up, which is something that again is so important that women like don't think about, and women no. don't want to talk about exactly because there's that we're whole, shamed like, about women it. And don't we poop be. thing. Yeah. That's yes. Not true. Oh my gosh. Totally. It's the most mortifying thing ever to talk about, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's silly. Why? I have, why? I have a question for a friend actually who is pregnant and hopefully she's going to mm -hmm. listen to this. She's been really constipated and we were talking about like ways to help. Is there anything special you should do when you're pregnant and dealing with this as opposed to not being pregnant? Yeah, you know, it's those high, high levels of progesterone. Mm. That's usually what does it in pregnancy. It's so challenging. But I have found that magnesium citrate works really well. Come back to the magic mineral. Yes. <laughs> uh, that, that's, that works really well. And then also, you know, she'd want to check with her doctor, obviously, before doing any of this. But I've found that magnesium citrate works great as well as, um, you know, some kind like a probiotic might okay. be really useful as well or, or fermented veggies. Got it. I feel like the fermented veggies are, are way better than the probiotics yeah. personally. <laughs> yeah, it's like always try oh, yeah. the fermented first, but isn't, I mean, I was taking a probiotic, but then the reason I kind of just stopped was because I've been trying to incorporate fermented veggies and I'm like, this should be good enough, right? Like in theory, yeah. it should be good enough. I really think so. I really think unless there's, you know, pathology, like I am a big fan of testing and not guessing yeah, uh, and seeing like a gut specialist or a functional doctor who can really test the right way. Mm -hmm. And if, if there is a problem, that's when you really want to address it. But if there isn't, I'm, I'm, all about the fermented veggies. I don't know that you necessarily need a probiotic unless there's pathology involved. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. So yeah. Interesting. I'm, I'm not a big fan of the supplements. I know I, I rattled off a bunch of them, but I was thinking about it and I was thinking, well, you know, those are the basic ones. And I'm a huge fan of the food and right. how we can really bring food into our lives that that complements our metabolism and our lifestyles and really helps to keep us in vibrant, in a state of vibrant health. Mm -hmm. That makes, I mean, that makes sense. And we, all, but I know it is hard sometimes to get the sup or the vitamins and minerals you need from your food. Like for example, I don't eat fish as much as I should. And yeah. so I was wondering, like, do you have a good omega-3 that you like and trust if you are a person that knows you need a little bit more, you need to balance out your omega-3 and omega-6? Yeah, you know, I, there are a couple of different options. And one of my favorites for me personally is cod liver oil. Everyone's mm. like, ah, uh, I, it's so funny because my parents used to make me take that stuff when I was a kid. And <laughs> I never in a million years thought I would be on Revisiting a podcast it? Yeah. talking about how great this stuff <laughs> is. But I, I really love it because it's super high in vitamin A, of a, a soluble form of vitamin A versus the vitamin A precursor that's found in those orange and yellow vegetables. Uh, because a lot of people actually can't convert that into the usable form of vitamin A. So I'm, mm. I'm a big fan of cod liver oil. Mm. Vitamin A as well for pregnant women or women who are considering getting pregnant, especially women who've come off the pill uh, in the form of in cod liver oil 
is fantastic because it actually contributes to bone structure, especially jaw structure. And if anyone has ever followed Weston A. Price or that, you know, traditional ancestral way of eating, uh, they talk a lot about, he talks a lot about that. He was a dentist and he talked about the fact that our jaws have been narrowing for generations now. And it's because we don't have uh, that we don't have the vitamin A in our diets, mm. like traditional foods, again, like liver and cod liver oil and foods like that, that provide uh, high doses of vitamin A. So we're actually quite deficient. And so that's why I, I'm a big fan of, of cod liver oil, because not only is it high in vitamin A, it's got vitamin D, it's also got the omega-3s as well. Um, and then um, I really like, what was the other one I was going to say? Nordic Naturals. So they're just like mm. a pretty well-known brand, but I, I really like their regular uh, omega-3 supplement. God, I have heard of them. I think I was taking Carlson's, which I researched was oh, yeah. a pretty good yeah, brand. Yeah, good too. Okay, good. Yeah, yes. and I've heard of the one that you said too. So I feel like that is one supplement that I've been wanting to bring back on my radar just because, like you said, with the cramping and other things, I just feel like I am out of balance with my omega-3 and my omega-6 right now. Yeah. And I think it's great that you can tap into that intuition and you know. Yeah. You're so good at that. Liz, you are too. It just, start writing in that planner. I I know. (laughs) I actually have, I'm really bad about buying planners. Like I buy a bunch. You really only need one. And I actually never (laughs) use any of them. I use my calendar on my phone. Write it in there too. Um, But I have like spare calendars I could just use (laughs) for this purpose. Yeah. Perfect. I love it. That's excellent. So That's exactly all you need. Can you, since we're getting towards our hour, I feel like we, I could just keep talking I know, like, about so many things. I know. Um, I feel like we haven't even covered all these questions. I, I know. Come back can for we a part do two. like a, re- yeah. Can we do a part two? I was going to say, and totally. we'll have to I revisit. I want to be about libido. I was just going to say, Ooh, we have not, yes. I mean, yeah, we could definitely talk a lot. We feel like libido is an issue. And oh, what are, you, are you trying to give too much information about our personal life? I know. That's okay. It's okay. You're, you guys are honestly not the only women. I pretty much hear this on the regular. Yeah. And so yes. I guess, should we just wait for another episode? Maybe to like in? if you have one, what are what you're seeing in terms of libido in women and what are maybe some common reasons behind the symptoms? Oh, Totally. Okay, where do I begin? I'm going to try and break this down into something small, and then we should definitely talk about it again the next time around. Yeah, part two. Yeah, part two, for sure. Okay, I have found that low libido is definitely an epidemic. There's no doubt about that. I was actually looking at this. um, I saw a study the other day recently. It was something like 50% of women report periods of low sex drive. Yeah. And 20% of them are under 35. Man. So we're, you know, we, we're in a bit of an epidemic for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. We've got, we've got huge problems. And I think it's, yeah, like, and not only that, like libido is so connected to the birth control pill mm-hmm. and it's connected to that. And so many women are using it and it's connected to that because the pill raises a hormone called sex hormone binding globulin. SHBG for short, will bind up with testosterone. Testosterone is your primary libido driver. And so when we are on the pill, our libido drops significantly in many cases, not all, but for the most part. Mine literally evaporated and Mm. kind of disappeared and went away and didn't come back for a long time. And I have found that to be the case. The problem for many women is that SHBG, again, informed consent, can stay high for a long time Mm. after you've come off the pill, Mm. binding up that testosterone. So even when we've come off the pill, say two, three years ago, we may still have elevated SHBG, which means that we may potentially have low levels of testosterone. Well, and stress plays a big role too, right? A huge role. You know, the same like as fertility, right? Like if your stress is really high, you're producing all of these stress hormones, your body basically says, lady, there's no way that you're having a baby this month. Right. So we're probably not going to ovulate. And as a result, your horm- you're, you're throwing off, uh, you know, first of all, there's an emotional component, but the physical part of it, you're throwing off all of your, those key sex hormones involved mm-hmm. in your sex drive. And then the emotional side of things, 
Like who wants to have sex when you're like freaking out about your job right. or the bills that yeah. need to be paid or you're fighting with your partner? Like that women were so exquisitely sensitive to these things. Mm-hmm. And it's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. Yeah, so it's like double whammy when it's the emotional side and the physical side. Right. <laughs> For sure. Exactly. So this is a huge problem for us. And I have just found that, you know, it's, it takes a concerted effort. I also think too, that when you, if you slow down on having sex or, you know, even having sex with yourself, doing things on your own, then you're, that you're, that's not where your brain is anymore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a kind of use it or lose it situation. Not forever. Obviously you don't Mm -hmm. lose it forever, but you really have to, you have to maintain that area of your life. (laughs) Literally practice. Yes. Because if you don't, then it's going to, it's just not going to be at the forefront. It's not going to be a priority. And so I really believe that we have to make it a priority Mm -hmm. in our lives, whether we're single or in a committed relationship. Which again is another topic of conversation that I feel like some, a lot of women feel uncomfortable talking about Mm -hmm. is, is like, yes, is that, and it's, and you're right. It's such an important part of being a woman and like embracing your body and all of these lovely things about us. And we should talk more about these things. Part two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, Definitely. I know. I really want to, because like, just to wrap up with that, about three quarters of women have experienced painful sex at some point in their lives. And that is, totally unacceptable as far as I'm concerned, because that is also another really embarrassing topic. And that's linked back to the low levels of our sex hormones that Mm. are responsible for our sex drive and lubrication and all of that. And Mm. we just don't, we don't even go there. We just sort of not grin, but we bear it and we move on. And I had a girl write me recently saying to me that she uh, has been on the pill for a long time and is now discovered my site. And she can't believe the connection between that and her low libido. She's supposed to be getting married this year and she feels really bad for her fiance because she's just not interested at all mm-hmm. in having sex. And she said, and part of the reason I'm not interested in having sex is because sex has always hurt more than it's felt good. Mm. I'm like, of course it has, because you've been on the pill for so long yeah. since you were a young girl, essentially a teenager. And as a result, you're, you're, you've turned off that ovulation. You've turned off all those juicy hormones. And so I believe now that there's so many women who feel this way, that feel they, you know, sex doesn't feel as good as they they were told it's supposed to feel. Yeah. And as a result, they don't want to do it, basically, because it's just, it's not as great as they want it to be, or it should be. And we're being, we're being so deprived. And so I think that again, the birth control pill is, is a big part of this. And, and so that's the first step if someone is on it, that you've, you've got to get off of that. And again, like obviously practice safe sex, use a condom, yeah. all of those things. But at the same, and, but also to start to think more about sex. Like, can you, I, you know, I'm a big fan of, um, I have clients do uh, a little experiment where, you know, there's, there's actually a lot of great porn on, on like out there now mm. that is produced and directed by women. I watched it's like a very whole documentary on this See, and it's awesome. Yes. <laughs> the porn topic I've, and <laughs> I've never like, I've been one of those people where I'm like, ick, ick, icky. And (laughs) I feel like I've heard other women say like, no, there's like some things that are, that are good out there. You just need to find it. It's really great that there's, because all, when you look at what porn is, like it's all male directed. And so you have, are mostly male directed. So you have one gender controlling that entire industry basically. And so now you see all of these female players coming in and making it, like bringing in the female focus mm-hmm. to it. Again, Absolutely. I forget what the documentary was on Netflix. I'll have to watch very it. Very interesting. Yeah, that sounds good. I agree completely. Yeah, that it's so true. So there's there's definitely a, a whole, I feel like a whole new wave of porn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, a, it's something, again, and it's something to think about, especially for women who are, are really just like, ah, really not feeling it at all. Yeah. Like that will really help. And also too, like when you're in a situation with your husband or partner or whoever, man, woman, whoever, I really believe that if you're not, if they're trying to to get things going and you're feeling like you're not in the mood, I really encourage women to to really ask themselves why that is. Mm. Like take us, go into the bedroom by yourself, like take a minute, meditate for five minutes, put some, you know, put some essential oils in that diffuser and just sit there and like breathe and think about what it is that 
your your why you're not doing it or why you don't want to do it. Yeah. And and work from there. Like because once you have a reason, then you can start to find solutions for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Just like giving yourself space. Because I think that we're hard on ourselves. Like Liz, me and you, I know mm-hmm. we'll be like, we're hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. If it's like, we're tired or whatever. It's always tired. Yeah, it's always. always. It's always I know, right? Who tired. isn't tired? Yeah. And <laughs> as soon know. as I'm horizontal in a bed, I'm like, time to go to bed. <laughs> time to sleep. Cody and Zach are like, it is not that time. Yeah. <laughs> on the contrary. So I love that idea of just like lighting a candle and going in first and just maybe putting those essential oils on and prepping yourself. That's okay. Like you're allowed to want to do that and to prep yourself and get ready. That's not something to be ashamed of. Oh, totally. I know. I agree completely. It really is so necessary for us sometimes Mm -hmm. because again, like it comes back to our physiological and biological differences between men and women. We need, we need a whole different set of things to happen. Whereas men are very, they're just, you know, they're very easy to just like they're on. Yeah, <laughs> they're right. ready to go. Exactly. We're we're not like that. And again, I and unfortunately, I I talked about porn, but I also think the traditional porn industry has led us to believe that mm. in five seconds flat, we're good to go. We're mm-hmm. ready. Yep. And it's you know, again, it's just complete mis- a complete misunderstanding of the hu- of a woman's human body. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. Oh, such yes. important topics that we've covered yes. today. Oh my gosh, this is so great. Keep yes, going. It's been a wonderful, and I can't wait for our audience to just gain all of the knowledge that we discussed today. So where can they find you? Um, I personally love using your website as a resource. There are so many good blogs and just give them all of that information. Absolutely. So my website is NicoleJardim.com and that's J-A-R-D-I-M. And you can find everything that I've talked about really on the blog. I mean, not everything, but a lot of things. And I also have a programs as well. Mm-hmm. My signature program is the Fix Your Period course. And that's again, a 10 module course that's going to really address the stages of hormonal healing that I've been talking about on the podcast. And there's a five-step process for women who choose to do that program. Perfect. I just followed you on Instagram. And you have a podcast too. I do. Yes. I, it's called a period party and it's me and my friend, Nat Kringudis. So we are, you guys remind me a lot of us. Oh (laughs) yeah. You're really cute. And it cracks me up. I love that you put party in it and you made it so celebratory. Yeah. The period party. Everybody wants to listen to that. I mean, how could you not, right? It's got party in the title. I know. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been so great. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. I can't wait for a part two sometime in the future. Yes. I would love that. Thank you both so much for having me. This was really amazing. Yay. Well, thank you. I hope you have a great night. Thanks. You too. Thanks again, guys, for tuning in to that episode. I hope that you got a lot of laughs. And I mean, you obviously know a lot more about me and Liz after. I feel like we probably have secretly over the course of a year and a half already shared a lot of these things. (laughs) Now you know even more. Now you know that we are on the same menstrual cycle. Yes. And that it aligns with the full moon. It aligns with the full (laughs) moon. And we have spotting for like a week before. What else do you need to know about us? We're open books. That's that's all you need (laughs) to know. Um, Yeah, guys. So before you... To, you know, close out the episode, just listen to a few more small announcements from us. And that is, we have a Facebook group called The Wine and Shiners. We sure do. You should join it for everyday inspirational chit chats with your fellow wine and shine lovers. Mm-hmm. Which is us and friends. Yeah. Like 45 friends. No, 50 58. Friends. 58 friends. <laughs> join us and 58 friends in The Wine and Shiners group. Be the 59th friend. Please uh, make it 60. I just like whole numbers like that. Is 60 a whole number? Okay, great. (laughs) Math skills. Um, And also, guys, if you're not friends with us on Instagram, Wine and Shine Podcast, at Wine and Shine Podcast. You can also follow us personally at Liz.Garster. No, not. Just (laughs) just at Liz Garster. At Liz Garster and at Nourished with Nina, where I post all things gut and hormonal health because that's my love. As Nina indicated earlier, you know, if you find value in this and you you know of someone that would get value and you want to share it with them, like we were talking about how sometimes women don't want to talk about these things. Maybe you could just send them this episode as a little love. That goes for all 
all of our episodes. Like, if you think someone would benefit from the message, let them know about the Wine and Shine podcast. Share it up. Share it. Give us a subscribe. Give us a review. And last but not least, if you are finding value out of the podcast and you would love to help us out, we also have a Patreon account and you can donate as little as $1 and those costs go to help us produce the podcast and get you a new episode every single week. Well, thanks again to Nicole for coming on. We're actually, as we alluded to in the episode, going to have a part two because yep, even so after we hung up, there was so much stuff we kept talking about. So um, stay tuned for more, Nicole. And we are so glad she came on to bring you value today. Yes. All right, guys. We will see you next week with a brand new episode. <laughs>